welcome to the Female Athlete Project. My name is Chloe Dalton. I'm an Olympic gold medalist in rugby sevens. And because I have commitment issues, I've played two other sports at professional level. The last two seasons, I've played for Carlton in the AFLW, and prior to that, played for the Sydney Uni Flames in the Women's National Basketball League. I'm currently training full-time with the Australian Rugby Sevens team in preparation for the now Tokyo 2021 Olympics. One of my favourite things to do is to head down to the beach, grab a coffee and the paper, flick to the back page and read about sport. I've had enough of only reading stories about men's sport, so I decided to do something about it. One day, female athletes will be recognised by their achievements, not by their gender. Until then, I'm going to chat to and share the stories of epic Aussie female athletes. This episode is brought to you by Workplace Law. The team at Workplace Law are incredible supporters of Australian female athletes, navigating through player contracts and sponsorship agreements, crisis management and legal representation. Their goal is to ensure that female athletes have access to all of these services, regardless of their financial situation. If you want to find out more about their amazing work, head to workplacelaw.com.au. My guest this week is basketballer Kayla George. Kayla has an incredible resume. She's currently in the North Queensland bubble, preparing for her 13th season in the WNBL. She's won Commonwealth Games gold, a world champ silver, a EuroLeague championship, has played in the WNBA and represented Australia at the Rio Olympics. Kayla has used the struggles she experienced as a youngster around self-worth to now empower the next generation of girls coming through the Opal squad and has mentoring programs to teach young girls about confidence, culture and commitment. I loved every single minute of this chat with Kayla. I hope you enjoy it. Kayla George, welcome to the Female Athlete Project. Thank you so much for having me. I'm hot. I'm so excited to have you on. Um, you're currently up north in the hub getting ready for the WNBL season, which has just been announced that there's going to be 60 games over 38 days. How are you feeling about it? And how's the, um, the old girl body going to go? It's in your 13th season. Oh, are we no. talking? <laughs> I'm 31, but I act like I'm 16. So technically my body thinks I'm 16. So I'll be fine. No, um, I'm excited that it's coming up north. Obviously I'm an Adelaide girl, but I've been residing in North Queensland when I'm in the country and not on contract anywhere um, since 2011. Uh, so yeah, adopted far North Queensland. So to have the whole hub in North Queensland is legit and obviously through this time I um, wasn't really keen to be back in Melbourne um, just with you know the tough times that it was down there so um, yeah excited that everyone's coming up to me instead. (laughs) It's a pretty cool setup Um, and exciting as well for everyone up in North Queensland to be able to watch some live women's basketball as well which is pretty cool. You recently had the uh, Kayla George tournament up in Cairns. Tell us a little bit about that one. Yeah so I'd had this in the pipeline probably at the start of the year and I wanted to launch it in Melbourne um, but for obvious reasons wasn't able to do that. So um, in Cairns, it's been pretty pretty good in terms of like, you know, using stadiums and games are back on and things like that. So I thought it was a good time before I come into the hub to maybe just give it a go. And it was my first kind of go at event management as well. A little bit tricky when things on the day don't go as planned, but I made it work. Um, but no, it was really great uh, for the region. Like it wasn't just girls, it was girls and guys. And um, from 18 down to like 10 year olds. So it was really great. We had heaps of prizes. We had about 50 odd people, maybe 50, 55 come through for the day. So that was really exciting. Um, we had a DJ and we had live radio streaming there too. So the community really got around it. And um, I'm hoping to continue to do that 
in a bigger and better way. So it was a good foundation um, to really start it off. So really exciting though, been a bit of a, an idea, a bit different. You know, there was a dance comp as well. So, you know, a bit wild. So, you know, a lot of the kids like to have a bit of a dance and especially when those TikTok songs come on. I liked the old school ones. But the kids are like, who's this? So we needed the TikTok ones to really get them going. But that was all right. You know, lots of prizes were handed out. So that was the, the idea. Lots of fun was had. So good vibes. Yeah, it's awesome. You're doing some real cool things up there, which is really cool to see. Um, heading into this WNBL season, what's your prep looking like with the Boomers? Um, they've all relocated up north and are, are ready to go. You guys have started training. What's that looking like as a squad? Yeah, so I flew down on Sunday and the whole Victorian contingent flew up on Sunday. Um, and so we're currently, yeah, staying near Nissan Arena, um, the three Melbourne teams and some of the referees and some of the Basketball Australia staff are all here just quarantining for two weeks um, in training together. So, yeah, first session on Monday was really great to be back on the floor with the girls and obviously hadn't um, been on an aeroplane since February. So I was like, oh, this is, this is new. <laughs> um, hadn't been able to, hadn't had to wear a mask in can, so I had to, you know, whack on some masks, which was a bit different, but it's okay. Um, and, yeah, look, just living this quarantine life and at least we can leave a couple of times a day to train, which is fun. From starting out in the WNBL when you were first at the AIS, when you were 16 years old, what has that change looked like across your career as an athlete and what you've seen changed through the league as well? Yeah. So I think um, as a 16-year-old coming in, like my goal was to, you know, I had as an athlete, you being an athlete, you get it. Um, the goals you set for yourself, um, some of them are pretty high. And one of mine was to play in the WNBL, WNBA, EuroLeague, Olympics and World Cup. So I've been able to achieve all of them. But the WNBL was like a massive stepping stone for a lot of my other goals. So um, it was really important when I was younger to really embrace the challenge. And fortunately, um, the way the AIS was set up, Back when I was coming through, we actually played in the WNBL. So I played like two and a half seasons with the young AOS team and got to experience all the highs and lows with my same age teammates and then became a, a fully professional basketball player at the age of 18 on my senior women's team with the Adelaide Lightning. So um, that had its own challenges. But I think throughout it all, I always use the low moments to um, learn things and grow. And I've done that from a pretty early age. So like looking back on and reflecting on my career, like I've been really blessed, but it's not been without super hard moments. And a lot of the, those moments came from playing in the WNBL and learning and grinding and um, playing overseas. I got those opportunities because of the WNBL. And so it's a great league. And um, I mean, the strength of the league has always been there, but I feel like over the last few years, it's become stronger than ever. We're getting some of the best imports out from America and Canada. And um, we had a Canadian win our MVP last year, WNBA player, Kia Nurse. So um, I feel like it's definitely top three best league in the world. Um, and so we just keep pushing for, for you know, greater competition and um yeah i think it's it's been maintained over the last 40 years of the WNBL and just recently you became the third player in the WNBL to reach 2500 rebounds uh, along with your teammate from Townsville Susie Batkovic and your childhood idol Rachel Spawn um what is that looked like has that been a really big part of your game from when you were younger was that something you always wanted to work on or was it that you were just tall and it just fell into your hands all the time well a bit of both I don't really um like to focus on scoring so much uh even though like I obviously like scoring but um 
I feel like rebounding and playing defense is one of those effort things. So for me, rebounding was, I think I'm actually a better defensive rebounder than offensive because I just wanted to go down to the offensive end. So I wanted to get the defensive rebound to go down and play offense. That was probably my angle and why I was so good because I really wanted to go play offense and not defense. So yeah, that, that probably helped. But yeah, I think, um, I think, yeah, rebounding is really important and it can, you know, change the momentum of a game. It can help win games. And um, I just, yeah, being tall certainly helped. And I really um, prided myself in in getting 10 plus rebounds a game. And it helped me as a goal before games, you know, get double figured rebounds and, um, you know, just work hard on defense where usually my goal is going into games so that, you know, thinking about those things, the effort things actually enabled me to have a better offensive game because I wasn't thinking about, oh, I've got to score 20 points tonight. It would just happen because I'm doing my effort things. So it just organically happens. And as I've gotten older, um, I've had a better grasp on that, which has been really great as I've matured. On court, not off court. (laughs) Don't need that off court. And you touched on the fact that you've spent a couple of years over in the WNBA, more recently with the Dallas Wings with a good friend of yours, Liz Cambage. What was that experience like? Yeah, the WNBA, that's, um, that's tough. Like it's the toughest league in the world for sure. Definitely not the highest paid, which is unfortunate, but definitely the toughest. You know, the best of the best, lots of traveling, lots of games. Um, and mentally, like for me, I'm not and was not naive to the fact that I'm not a big superstar over there coming in, going to, you know, start and play all these big minutes. My my role would differ from night to night um, in all three of my seasons there too with Phoenix on with Dallas and some nights I'd play 27 minutes, some games I'd play seven, some games I'd play 30 seconds at the end of the game. So it was probably the hardest point in my career to be in the WNBA because um, anywhere else, like I can kind of predict, like when I played in Europe, I was the imports, you know, I play big minutes. When I'm in Australia, I play big minutes. Um, and so you know how much you're going to play. So, you know, people rely on you. So your game kind of mindset going in stays the same. But in the WNBA, you've got to stay ready for when your number's called all the time and it might not be called and you've got to deal with that aspect and then you've got to deal with if it is called and then if you do make a mistake and then you come off and you don't get an opportunity for a while like it's the mental side is really it's really hard and I learned a lot about myself um over there uh yeah it was probably um it probably took me a good year or so afterwards after my last opportunity in um America to really mentally feel good again because it 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 grapples with your self-worth a little bit if you let it um but in saying that it's the best league in the world so like you're in the best league in the world you're one of 144 women that are playing in this amazing league so like you know winning uh, great opportunity and I never took that for granted but it was certainly not easy um but also met some really cool people and as you know as an athlete you get to meet incredible people from all over the world um and I have people that I would call sisters till forever so um always good stuff to take out of the low moments as I mentioned before Mm. and you talked about the fact that it's not the highest paid league in the world what has that experience been like for you the fact that you have you've had the opportunity to travel and to live overseas and things like that. But a lot of the time it's a necessity because as a professional female athlete, you often can't have this stable full-time income and and you might have to go and and do different things like that. What has that been like for you? And where do you think the biggest progress could be made in that area in terms of equality? 
Well, I think um, you can't be what you can't see, right? So I feel like the media need to get around us more. Like it, it'd be really nice. <laughs> um, so that's one massive thing. Um, for example, uh, the Vixens were in the grand final and it was all about the AFL. Like, and the, the, that's just one simple thing, like the Herald Sun. Um, obviously, the AFL is huge, um, but like the Vixens game was first. So their first on the front of the paper needs to be first before the AFL previews for the game in three days. Like just little things, you know what I mean? Like that's still so frustrating that we're still having this conversation. But um, as a female athlete, like I went back to back to back seasons for 12 or 13 years. Sis, like I'm telling you, it was so tiring. I didn't realise until I stepped away for a second and had a break for like three months for the first time in 13 years. But I was like, dang, sis, you've really gone back to back to back to back seasons for 13 years because as female athletes, we don't get the luxury of having a month or two off. We have to go from October to March playing in the WBL or overseas, which is usually September to say April, and then go straight to the WBA or straight to like a, you know, another, like it's all year round for our career. So the fact that, you know, I mean, we do it even tougher than the guys, I would say, and we get paid less. Yeah. And it sounds exhausting. The fact that you did that for so many years and it's cool that you've had a bit of bit of time off to kind of reflect on that and the, and the toll that that's taken. Um, I'm, I follow a, a few basketball pages still cause I'm once a baller, always a baller, you know, um, yeah, <laughs> but um, a big thing that I see and particularly with the WNBA is a lot of comments on social media, people saying, who cares? We don't want to see this, all of that. And it, really frustrates me a lot. A lot of the time I want to comment back to people and, and people who comment that about my my sports, whether that's AFL or rugby, whatever that is, like, just come meet me down at the field. Like, let's go have a run, have a kick, run straight out yeah. me kind of thing. What's your yeah. response a lot of the time to those comments? Honestly, like, America's bad for that stuff. Like, I know it's in Australia too. It's terrible. But America's like, I think, tenfold. And it, it just, it blows my mind. Like, why are you following the page then? Why are you trolling it? Like, I just, yeah, it's it's beyond me. You know, all we're doing is out here. We're not asking for the same money as LeBron James. Like, we're not doing that. Um, the WNBA players haven't been doing that. They're just, you know, asking for a fair share of, like, the revenue stuff, like, um, you know, like the, the NBA get. Like, it's there's so much work to be done and we're not stupid. But these people just come in and comment and just try and drag everyone down. But I don't think that people feel that they're dragged. People just rise above it. You know what I mean? If anything, it's like fuel to the fire. Um, and there's always going to be someone. There's always going to be someone on any topic, whether it be like Black Lives Matter or, you know, female equality or anything. Like everyone has just got this extra confidence from social media um, and the keyboard warrior vibes and and have something to say and they're not afraid of getting punched in the face anymore. I just read a meme about that the other day. So, like, that is right, whatever. Um, but if, um, you know, they'd be the first ones to come and be like, oh, Kayla George, can I have an autograph? I'm like, wait, I recognise your face. No. <laughs> I've <laughs> you seen cannot. you before. No. Yeah. <laughs> What did you comment? No. So, like, I'm really, like, vocal in that sense. Like, I just, I can't stand it. And I've had to really, like, you bite my tongue. And, like, I was like, do I get a burner account? Like, no, I'm not going to waste my energy. Like, I can't do that it's either. It's tempting. It's so tempting. Um, but, yeah, honestly, it, there's always going to be someone on any topic, some people, a group of people that just go ham and I like it when people are called out but there's also better ways to go about it as well at times but I do I do like it when they get called out <laughs> by other people yes, on their bigger platforms. Yes. <laughs> um, 
Part of your career over in Europe included playing in France and in Hungary. I'm interested to know when you were in the huddle playing in Hungary, um, what's like, do you have like a, is there something you can remember like as a big pump up, like a big moment um, of, of what they would say in Hungarian? Like, did you learn any of the local language or anything like that? When I was in France, I loved it because I played there two consecutive years. Like by the second year, I didn't need a translator. I understood the basketball lingo um, and a lot of their, you know how like we talk Aussie slang, like their French slang. I a lot. I couldn't speak it fluently for a long time, but I could certainly have a, a good conversation with my teammates, but um, I couldn't do that now. But in Hungary, I thought the, the language kind of sounded like they'd swallowed like some gluggy milk. <laughs> it's real like... So I never really got into it. And I honestly couldn't even tell you what some of the language is now. My experience there was like not, not super great. And it was really like for the first time in my career, I was like, oh, dang, this is a real job. I've really got to just, you know, go in, make my money, work hard and go home, you know, like which was the, for the first time in my career I had to do that um, because basketball, like it's not a job to me. It's just I'm so blessed to be able to get paid to do what I love. So but in that, that moment, yeah, I think maybe like I just kind of blocked out my Hungarian year and um, forgot what the language was. <laughs> but I had a lot of, I had like a Swedish girl, two Americans. My coach was from Austria. So I'm actually a Serbian who spoke really good English as well. So like there wasn't a lot of Hungarian spoken unless it was our captain like um, yelling at our young babies which I told her off for doing that too, which didn't put me in good stead for the rest of the season. But, you know, got to call things out when they're not right, you know. Like I'm not someone to disappoint fingers, but like if something's not right and not being handled well, you know, you've got to you've got to stand up for what's right. And I did and, you know, to the detriment of the rest of my season, but that's all right. You stood up for what was right. <laughs> exactly, always. Now for a quick halftime break. As a female athlete, it's often difficult to negotiate contracts, lock in sponsorship agreements, and navigate different workplace issues. The team at Workplace Law provide mentoring and advice when it comes to addressing issues that may arise throughout your career. I'm learning a lot from their team and love having them on board as proud partners of the Female Athlete Project. Back to Kayla. Back on Australian shores, you made your debut for the Opals in 2008 pretty long time ago, pretty incredible career that you've had so far. You've talked about how important that is the legacy of the Opals and what a huge honor it is to play for that team and the incredible women that have come before you. Um, what did that mean for you the first time you got to to put that put that jersey on? Yeah. So like just brings tears to my eyes actually a little bit. I'm just sucking it back a bit here. Um, you know what it's like playing for Australia? It's like that lifelong goal, um, you know, at the start of the game, listening to the anthem, um, the legacy that the Opals have in particular, like, I mean, with your Aussie Sevens, you've created a legacy, like, you know, winning the gold in Rio, like that was the first time Aussie Sevens had been in the Olympics. Like you, you're a part of starting a huge legacy for your your sport in that, in that sense. But the Opals have had at least two and a bit decades of so much success, so many medals. And so um, the pressure of that is is always really exciting to have to hold. And because um, as an elite athlete, you know, like without pressure, it's probably not fun. It's probably not great. Um, live for that pressure. Even though when that you don't, you know, succeed under that pressure, it kind of sucks and hurts even more. But when you do it, like it's euphoria. Um, but yeah, the legacy, the legacy piece is really important to me because you know some of these these women, these incredible women, like paved the way for us not only with the opals, but with playing overseas in Europe and making more money in Europe and playing in the WNBA, which has allowed us 
to go do those things. Um, like Michelle Tim, Sandy Brondello, who's now my coach, you know, Trish Fallon, who's our team manager for the Opals. Um, and so to be a part of such a, a, a history um, and to have won medals with the Opals myself um, is, is something that's really humbling. Uh, it, I still pinch myself. I've worked really hard to get here though and had to battle a lot of lows, a lot of self-doubt, a lot of mental challenges to to get to where I've got to. Um, and I'm so thankful for all of those lows because it's made me really strong and resilient and the player and the woman that I am today um, that I can, you know, sit here with you and say, yeah, I've been able to achieve all these things, you know what I mean? Like it's just it, I still pinch myself and I I'd still have things on my list that I want to achieve and, um, you know, <laughs> Goal setting can be really great, but to actually go and get your goals, there's it's indescribable when you actually reach a goal. You know, yeah, when you reach like the highest goal you've got, like you know, kids are making goals, like I want to play for Australia or I want to go to the Olympics. But that was me as a kid. That was you as a kid. And when you get to that goal, you're like, whoa! Like I, I actually just did that. And you know, because you're working hard, but it's like, wow. Do you know what I mean? It's like almost, it's almost hard to fathom. Yeah. I actually had that chat with Elia Green. It was that feeling after we won gold of feeling like it didn't actually happen to me. It was like, I'd always aspired to be that person. And then you actually tick that goal off the list and you're like, whoa, that's epic. Yeah. And that's why I really, um, I really try to engage with the young girls because we were once those young girls, you know what I mean? And I would have loved to have had like an opal or someone like where I am now talking with me and having access to them. And so I really felt like it was important to be able to do that and talk to these young young girls about, you know, what it takes, the commitment, you know, culturally, um, you know, confidence, huge. Every camp I do, I've got mums coming up to me and they're like, oh, my daughter doesn't have confidence. Like all the time, like the confidence thing is such a big issue. And when I grew up, like social media wasn't really, like I started MySpace when I was 15, you know what I mean? Like these kids are on iPhones at three. Like I didn't have my first phone until grade nine. And I think that really um, has changed things in society and um, for these kids growing up, there's so much extra added pressure. And so um, if I can just come in and like help in a small way or have a small impact that potentially could be a big impact later on or straight away a big impact, like that's that's what I want to do for these young girls because I feel sorry that they've got to have all these extra pressures. It was hard enough being a teenager, you know, and having these goals. Um, but I, when I was younger, People often ask me, like, did you always know you wanted to be a basketball player? I was like, oh, yeah, I was tall and that helped. But, like, I could I could play. I wasn't like a baby giraffe, even though sometimes I move like a baby giraffe. But, <laughs> but like, people, I just like I just knew that that's what I wanted to do and I didn't realise. I just had horse blinkers on. Like, I missed out on house parties. I missed out on school formals. I missed out on hanging out with my friends. So I was doing school holiday camps. Like, and to, at the time, like, I was like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. Like, yeah, like, whatever. Like, I'm just pooping. I'm just playing basketball. Um, and so, you know, it's, you've got to love it. There's, it, it. there's too much work involved if you don't love it. It can't be a chore. You know what I mean? Like if you're really passionate, just go for it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, girl, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's amazing to see the work. We talked about the, the tournament you had in Cairns recently, but you also did a 12-week online program recently where you worked with a lot of young girls and, and had athletes from a whole range of different sports. And, and the athletes were able to come on and, and share some things with these girls. What kind of things did you work on with the with the young girls? So I think um, there's a few areas that are pinnacle because I feel like as athletes you grow up and it's like physically your body has to be this, this, this and this, but we don't talk about the mental side hardly enough. And I think that's slowly changing, but 
definitely needs to keep changing more. Um, you know, mental health, how you think, what thoughts you're thinking, like, you know, positive self-talk, things like that. So we had a big mental health aspect on that. We teamed up with A Stitch in Time from Perth, Greg Hire, former NBL player, championship winner over there. So he's got a, a great charity that, yeah, focuses on mental health. And so he teamed up and ran a, um, a program for us, like a 12-week program, like, a you know, say, you know, you can go through strategies of how to really get through some tough times, which was great. We had about 80-something girls do that complete up to incredible numbers because they didn't have to do that. That was just part of my program, which was awesome. Um, I took them through like a bit of self-care, you know, like skin stuff. I took them through um, cooking, you know, because that's important too. Like I'm a vegan, but I wasn't like, you have to be vegan, everyone. I was like, this is what I do as a vegan. This is why it felt good for my body to become a vegan, you know, taking out dairy, blah, 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 all that stuff. Um, and then they had some of the girls trying the vegan recipes that send me, you know, their version of it. And it was incredible because it, it's off the court too. Too, you know, like I wanted to engage them like this is how I live, this is what I'm doing, this is how I think and when I'm not thinking right, this is my strategy to get back on the right track and that's all really important stuff for these young girls, you know. So, And we as athletes, you'd still go through it. I'm sure you still have times where, you know, you're feeling like, oh, my gosh, I, I can't do this, I'm not good enough. Isn't that crazy? I've been a pro athlete for 14 years and I still have moments of, oh, my gosh, I'm not good enough. Like what? It's crazy. You know what I mean? So for these girls. These girls to hear, oh, my gosh, she still feels that too? Oh, it's okay. All right, I just have to have a quick bounce back. Cool. All right, I've got this. Do you know what I mean? So they can relate to us as elite athletes. Yeah, that's so powerful. And I love the passion. You can just see it, the way that you talk about it. It's so incredible. I absolutely love it. Um, and it's really cool that you're such an incredible role model for these young girls. And I think when I look at you, when I watch you play on the court, that's the thing I love watching as well, how passionate you are. You're just so everything. You can just see all the emotions all over your face. you got the chest bumps going. you got everything going on. And I love watching that about you. <laughs> I get so hot. I need a girlfriend. Someone scores a three and I'm getting hyped. Like, please have the Nurofen ready. Like every time I chest bump someone, I'm like, oh, my head. Like, no regrets though. No regrets. No regrets. <laughs> Content for the idea if someone gets a good snap. <laughs> what it's all about. Back to the Opals. I um I wanted to play an audio clip for you. Australia have a lot to be proud of. They have won in the hostile atmosphere of the Santiago So looking at 2018, you went over to Spain for the World Championships. Um, coming off the back of Rio, which we won't we won't dwell on, but lost in the quarterfinal to Serbia. Heading into the 2018 World Champs, what was the feeling like in the group? as you're preparing for that tournament? So um, different staff change, coaching staff change, which I think was a real um, relief for a lot of us. Um, and that's all I'll say on that. But uh, <laughs> uh, so culturally it changed. It shifted for the better culturally, which is great. And we had a few different faces, um, but a lot of the core group was still the same. Um, and so going into 2018 was like a real, you know, we jumped from second in the world to third after that. And we'd been second for like a chunk of time. So we wanted to really, you know, push our way back up to second. Obviously, USA are quite far in front on, on the first first um, part of the ladder. So we really wanted to jump over Spain again. Um, and so at a world event, you know that the toughest opponent is to play the host nation in a quarter or a semi. And, of course, we got Spain in the semi. Uh, so to beat them with 8,000 screaming fans was incredible. But... Everyone was so ready. We were so ready to to take out to take back our place to to prove a point because um, we're good enough. 
Uh, I just only wish we had an extra 24 hours to prep because for the gold medal game, because we had like three games, three days, like quarter semis gold. And by the gold medal game, from the energy and the enthusiasm from winning the night before, like we were all kind of cooked for the gold medal game, which sucked. But um, that tournament itself was probably one of my most favourite tournaments to be a part of. That Spanish game was my favourite game to be a part of. The emotions, the high, the highest of high. It was just, whoo, get teary. Nah, I haven't cried yet, but I think I answered your question. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, I love it. I love it. From there, heading into Tokyo, which is now going to be in 2021, um, obviously we're we're a little bit of a way off and you'll have the WNBL season to prepare. Um, what do you think that'll look like? And, and do you guys take confidence from both that world champs in 2018 and then that the Commonwealth Games gold as well? Right, absolutely. I think that Com Games gold really helped us um, for the worlds as well, I forgot to mention before. Um, but, yeah, Tokyo 2021, uh, I mean, thank goodness that there's still talk of an Olympics because the thought of it not being there at all would just crush us like all athletes all over the world. So our goal hasn't changed. Our vibe hasn't changed. Unfortunately, the only training camps we've had have been on Zoom call. (laughs) So uh, we're planning on a pretty big um, lead up just depending on how Corona's vibing. Um, But, yeah, our mindset is we're still hungry. We're still gunning for that, you know, a medal. Uh, Obviously, process don't get too far ahead of ourselves, but we know we're good enough and we're, we want to walk away with a medal, obviously of a preferred colour, but um, just we'll say yep, a medal. I like it. As you've been in the squad for a pretty long time, you're, you're co-captain at the Boomers, but now with the Opals, you're also part of that leadership team as well, uh, which is a pretty huge honour. Um, what do you think you've learned throughout your career that's prepared you for that leadership role? And as a leader, for the younger younger girls that are coming through the Opals, what do you? How do you see yourself, and what do you think you bring to that group? So I never thought that I would be a part of the leadership group of the Opals. In my mind, I was just happy to be there when I was younger. Really, just so stoked to be there. There was just some incredible talent ahead of me, and just so happy to be there. Even just the squads, like oh, incredible. Um, so to sit back and you know look at my journey and reflect, and then to think, wow, I'm actually in the leadership group now. It's like it's a little overwhelming, but I, I love it and I embrace it pretty intensely. I love um, making sure that my youngins feel really comfortable. Um, I know back in the day there was like a, you know, a bit of a hierarchy, so to speak. Um, not that it was outwardly spoken about, but there was one. Uh, and so I like to make sure that now my youngins don't feel that type of hierarchy, like, yep, I've, I've achieved some more stuff on my resume, but we're all on one page here. I respect you as much as I respect you. Let's all battle together. We need each and every single one of us to be on. And so I make sure that everyone's feeling really comfortable around me. Um, everyone's in a good headspace, and that's kind of my role with it. And I just like, I love it. I love getting everyone prepared mentally, like ready to go checking in with people. Um, and you know, I have the people that check in on me too, because sometimes I forget to check in on myself. Um, but yeah, making sure the people around me are ready to go and in a good mindset, like is especially the young ones, um, is so important to me because I didn't really get that when I was a young Opal. I didn't get, you know, my captain coming up to me and my leadership um, captain coming up to me and being like, hey, you good, you good sis, like you've got this, you do this, this and this well, don't overthink it, you're going to be great. Like I didn't have that. 
I had my own head, my own thoughts and my own nerves and anxiety and it was harder. And so essentially I was not super helpful to the team like I could have been because I was already thinking negatively because I was so nervous and didn't feel like I'll, do you know what I mean? Like, so now I make sure the young girls are all like ready to go. Like you're good, sis. I believe in you. You've got this. And just, it's that positive cultural mindset where we're all on one page. You've got this together. The sisterhood, the sisterhood is such a thing with the Opals right now. And it's incredible. And so I think we've done a great job from the top, like from the coaching staff through the leadership group and down of really, um, just emulating that culture all the way through and and it makes it really fun to play and to be successful together uh, because you ride the highs and lows but you know once you get to those highs it is you know euphoria so yeah girl (laughs) I love that you've been able to take what you were like as as a young kid and you're like I was anxious and I was nervous and this is how I felt and you're like okay now that I have that experience where I can sort out my own game I know I can rock up and I can prepare and I can hit those clutch threes when I need to so that means that means I'm now ready to be able to help those young girls so that you can make them more comfortable and then they perform and then as a team you're way better. Right. It makes makes sense, right? Then because they're essentially helping me because they're making the team look good and we're the team. So we all look good. Mm-hmm. Like it just makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then everyone's having fun, you know. It's just a good culture to kind of and I know the young girls that we've got in our group now will keep doing the same and creating the same culture. We've got beautiful young athletes in our Opals team at the moment. So I've got no doubt that that culture will continue, which is such an exciting thing, you know. Yeah, very special. I'm in a um, group chat with a couple of basketball girls and I said that I was having a chat with you, the Savo. And um, the question that I got was the ponytail is gone. You've gone short. Oh this gosh, is drama. Girl. My mum was like, don't do it. The young girl's the braid. And I was like, mum, I don't wear the braid for the fans. I wear it because I like it. And, of course, the fans like it, so that's great. But, no, I just um, – 2020's been – rough on everyone and it kind of for me resembled like a rebirthing (laughs) you know like I just I felt like I I just wanted to feel fresh and it was the right time like two days before my hairdressing appointment to come here I was like it's time I feel like I can do it and then my hairdresser was like yes (laughs) so she did it so you got no regrets so she was cutting it I was like well I guess it's too late now but no I love it it's so easy and I mean I've gone a bit lighter because blondes have more fun apparently but Mm -hmm. I have fun anyway so um, (laughs) just um I had it I had it Maddie was in here before and I had it in a high pony but half my mullet was out um but I tried to do it in a little mini braid and it's like it's not great but I might rock it I might rock it for the fans that are really upset about my braid. Yeah, they the people want to see it. They want to see it. <laughs> so I'm stoked. People are like talking about my new look. It's a real vibe. <laughs> um, every week on the show, I have a question from a five-year-old and from my grandma. So I'm going to play them to you. The first question is from five-year-old Frida. Hi, Kayla. What's the furthest shot you ever made? Oh, that's a great question. So the last one I can remember in a game, because we do half-court shots on game day, but I won't count them. So in a game, it was probably between the half-court and the three-point line, and the shot clock was running down. Well, actually, it was about to be halftime. We were playing against New Zealand in India last year at the Asia Cup. It was like this time last year. Actually, no, a bit earlier, August last year. And it was against my coach guy, my Melbourne Boomers coach guy, because he coaches New Zealand. And I threw up this Hail Mary and it almost broke the backboard, but it also swished. (laughs) Amazing. 
but that's the furthest I'd, I'd made a shot in, in a hot minute. Bit of a Hail Mary. How good. Next question from Granny. Hi, Kayla. What has been your greatest challenge and what do you think it's taught you about yourself? Great question, Granny. Um, so my greatest challenge has been um, between my ears. <laughs> so my mental thoughts uh, and dealing with stuff that I thought about myself, my self-worth, um, worrying about what people thought about me, worrying about always trying to prove myself as a basketballer, worrying about people liking me um, through my 20s and, you know, teens was really debilitating. Um, but I also, and still now, like sometimes I can let that creep in, but as mentioned before, I'm really mature now. <laughs> so no, I've, just, I've definitely learned strategies and better ways to handle those thoughts and to bounce back really quickly, quickly from those thoughts. Um, but it's certainly taught me that I'm a lot stronger than I even realized and that I am pretty resilient. And, um, those thoughts are not of me. They're not, they're not what I should be thinking. And, um, I try and teach the young kids that as well, that that's no way to be thinking. You've got to really just switch back to, you know, positive thoughts all the time. And, um, those negative thoughts can't consume you because it's not the true you and you can't let those negative thoughts, whether they're coming from yourself or someone else determine your self-worth. Yeah. That's really powerful. And I think it's, um, yeah, really cool that you are now able to use that and, and what you've learned for that next generation too. So you're doing an incredible job. Ah, thank you, girl. You too. I love it. <laughs> All right. I've got three would you rather questions for you. Number one, would you rather win by making a buzzer beater or a big defensive stop? Buzzer beater. Oh, yeah. all right. I've had a bit of a think about that one. Uh, number two, <laughs> would you rather have a trophy or a pair of shoes named after you? A pair of shoes. All right. Have you thought about that before? No, I just like think that that's, you know, to have some cool feet heat is always like legit. So Yeah, I like that. I like that. And final one, number three, would you rather slinkies for arms or swords for legs? Swords for legs. <laughs> what about when you walk on grass? Well, you just like you get into the gravel and the dirt and be standing up nice and straight. <laughs> How's my English? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you just, you just have better grip. Swords, like, yeah, sword legs. <laughs> nice. Great. Love it. Before we finish up, where can people find you on socials? Hey, this is what I'm talking about. So, Franny KG on Insta um, is me handle. Um, I don't really tweet. I kind of just like retweet things, but Kayla George on 22 on Twitter. I'm very much an Instagrammer. So if you're going to follow, do it on the gram at CFrannyKG. On the gram. Yeah. Can't wait to watch you playing for the Boomers. Uh, it's going to be epic. I think you guys are in for, for a really good season and then heading into your preparation for Tokyo. Good luck with everything there. I've absolutely loved chatting with you today. Your personality is so infectious and I love your passion for everything you do. And thank you as well for, for being vulnerable and, and opening up about what you've been through. Um, yeah, I really appreciate it. Good luck to you with your AFLW Olympic prep and everything else you're doing, you superstar. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. You can find us on Instagram at the Female Athlete Project.